Rudy Gay, angle right three is good. Boy, his stroke is on it tonight. To be honest, I told our team, too. I just thought our whole group really competed. And, you know, those guys gave us juice. You know, that's what we need for guys coming off the bench. But I, I thought across the board, we didn't play as well as we want to. You know, I thought it wasn't the most well-played game. There was missed shots. But I thought both teams really, really competed in battle. Forrest, an in-and-out right-hand dribble. Stopping in the pocket. Now works the left side. Switches left to right. Floats it up and in. You just got to be locked into the game plan. And I feel like we have a lot of smart guys and just the organization and general, so playing with each other was pretty easy. Everybody was kind of locked in from the start of the game plan to the end. Just had a few breakdowns there at the end, but other than that, I feel like that's what kind of kept us together in the game for the most part. Screen from Dorius. Back to Ashworth for three. Yes! It's ring of threes. Hallelujah! Aggies up by 15 over San Diego State. You know, it felt like an eternity since we won in Mountain West play, and you know, that's, that's a compliment to the conference and where we're at, and it's super fun to be able to be in the type of conference that we are and so felt great to uh, kind of get that monkey off our back here especially against San Diego State who's a very good team into the lane comes Conley and he draws the foul the contact in the bucket despite having lost a few of these games we've been a lot more connected we've done a lot of good things and as a group we've stood together and resilient in a time that without Don without really guys in and out of lineup and you know we're just trying to find our way regardless of the situation and regardless of the losses I think we're heading in the right direction as far as staying connected we have our lapses here and there, but that can come from just we're not used to playing with certain guys and certain guys are using the playing in certain minutes. So it's just about once we get it all back together, I think we'll start to feel a little bit better about ourselves. House again, this time from the right side, and oh, everything in this house is gorgeous right now. I love everyone here. I mean, they welcome me with open arms, accepting me. No one has ever turned me down. They always ask me if I need anything. They're always making me comfortable. So especially being a guy that's been accustomed to a certain way for years and then come out over here and be welcome with, with loving on. It makes you really enjoy the process and everything. So that's why I feel like the staff, the organization, they just do an unbelievable job just to make sure that every player on this roster have whatever they need, whenever they need, and so much more. Welcome into the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there. And thank you for joining us here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jay Catch, uh, obviously your host here each week. And I uh, hope you guys are having a fun Saturday wherever you might be. The sun is out and shining. It's a bit hazy out there, but it's not necessarily uh, awful weather by any means. And hope you guys, once again, are doing great. I've got uh, Jeff along for the ride today, producing behind the glass. Jeff, how are you, sir? Doing pretty good. How are you? Doing well. Uh, you you were up late last night, and you took quick quick turnaround for you. Yeah, pretty quick turnaround. <laughs> Jazz game last night, but uh-huh. it's all about the grind. Absolutely, that, that's the thing about it. So certainly an earlier night than than Wednesday night I, was. I, well, I was going to say you, Wednesday night was. You got a oof. six o'clock tip on last night, and then you got eight o'clock for the ESPN game, and even later than that, sometimes the eight thirty games. Oof, those are brutal. I, and trust me, I, I, I know the brutality because mine's a little bit different. I had to be up so early during the week for DJ and PK that those 8.30 games, I'm just like, I'm going to get like three hours of sleep. Now, like, sometimes I'm wondering if you're going to have some like big project you'd have to do and you're going <laughs> to show up here for DJ and PK and uh, I'm still going to be here after a that, jazz game. That has happened. Let's just put it that way. Uh, the So some people will remember the... It's the BYU-Utah game from 2019. They oh, opened, yeah, you told me about this. They opened this. on a Thursday night, and they had the rain delay in the fourth quarter that pushed over an hour, and that game finished well past midnight. It's a Thursday night. I have to do the show on Friday morning. Uh, by the time I was done down there at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, I'm trying to remember, 
I'd estimate it was somewhere around 1 or 1.30 a.m. And I was like, you know what? I've got to be into the station. So I literally went home, uh, took a shower, and got some other clothes on. I've been wearing clothes for like the same clothes all day. So I got some new clothes on, came in here, and just got to work. So I essentially pulled an all-nighter pretty much. And so it's happened. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Respectfully, I hope to never see you that early. I sincerely hope you don't. Yeah, I, I hope that never happens. I, I would hope any other time of the day. I, I hope to see you at the station. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I get that. So uh, once again, of course, it is Saturday. We're talking all things sports today. Coming up on today's show, we'll talk Utah Jazz. We'll talk NFL playoffs. Uh, Tom Homo spoke to the media earlier this week. BYU's athletic director. We'll get the technical fouls. Five minutes of. We got a lot to cover ahead, and we've not got a lot of time to do it. But a quick reminder for you guys. Guys, that the Saturday show is proudly presented to you by our friends over at Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. All right, as we do typically each week when we kick off the show, we get to what's the big deal? Let's go. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but kind of a big deal. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> I love that open. I, I, I say it each week, but it just makes me laugh every time I, I listen to it. But uh, starting off today's show, we're going to talk Utah Jazz, and I wish I could come on here and say things are great with Utah Jazz when they're really not because the Jazz have now lost four straight. You extend it back, they are have lost 10 of their last 12. And if you want to go all the way back to New Year, so there's been 15 games this month in the month of January, if my count is correct, they are a grand total of 3-12 and 12 this month with one more game to come this month technically. That'll come tomorrow night. Uh, Jeff, you have been producing the vast majority of these games uh, this season. You are our Jazz game producer. You, you behind the scenes make the whole ship run and Anybody who wants to know the hardest job I think in sports radio, it might be producing Utah Jazz games. Uh, it's it's not easy. <laughs> um, I was actually last night running from room to room because I had some things I had to get done last minute. Well, so I was literally sprinting. So it's not just mental; it's physical too. You're you're running sometimes. Oh, I, I'm. <laughs> fully aware i'm a former jazz intern myself i've produced jazz games i've been in that seat that you've been in it but i'm glad you're here today because the jazz this past week they have faced the three teams in front of them in the western conference so they faced the golden state warriors they faced the suns twice and they faced the grizzlies last night they've lost all four of those games but i want to get your sense for this i felt like in all of those losses the utah jazz were actually fairly competitive where do you stand on it yeah i agree with that i think overall the team and the coaching staff, they don't believe in moral victories, but no. they do like to see certain things to show that things are going in the right direction. Quinn all year has been saying it's not about right now. It's about where we are at the end of the year um, and being ready for playoffs because last year, number one seed went out in the second round. You know, it, it's all about being ready for playoffs. It's all about the championship. Yeah. And so it's, it's tough to say because it, it, it does. It feels rough because they have lost so many games recently but trying to keep the perspective it's not an excuse but you try to keep the perspective that donovan's been out and rudy's been out and they are competing a lot better than this week mm -hmm. than they were against some other teams that they have lost to 
And so showing that improvement and not allowing themselves to continue to be lackadaisical, I think is a good sign. Um, you've seen some work from some players that don't normally get that time. Daniel House yeah. was, was great last night and has, has shown that he he cares. He's on his technically third uh, 10-day contract with the two regulars in the hardship. Uh, Eric Pascal has done well off the bench. So you've, you've been able to see some more work from some other players. You've seen that competitive spirit. Um, and a weird kind of feeling is, you know, for all the losses and how bad they've looked with the loss, like how bad it is to lose, they're still fourth in the West, which is not bad. Like in it's, some ways, it's, it's not. Bad. In some ways, it's bad. In some ways, it's good. Like it's it's not a horrible position to be in. And if uh, Conley and Quinn, I think both talked about it last night, that if Donovan and Rudy come back and they're playing at the level that the team is playing at now, getting those pieces back, they're going to be just fine. Um, I think. One concerning thing for me, because they are com- they have been competing this week against top teams, mm-hmm. is there's been talk this year about them playing to the level of their competition, where they play down against below 500 teams, they play up to above 500 teams, and they need to be, you know, giving that hard effort every single night. Because if they played the way they played against the Grizzlies and the Suns, if they played that way against the Pacers or sure. Detroit. They win those games, I think. Okay, so. I need to correct myself. They're four and eleven this month. I miss I, I I miscounted. So they're four and eleven this month. They have wins over New Orleans, Denver twice, and then also Detroit. So that's those are the four wins this month. And I'm with you on on your point. You're playing maybe some lesser competition with you being shorthanded. Maybe you do win some of these games. But I felt like all four of these games so far this week, the Jazz have been. They've been in every one of them. They lost to Golden State 94-92 last Sunday. Then uh, at Phoenix, 115-109. to uh, Then they come home, face Phoenix. This is the lone home game this week, 105-97. to And then they're at Memphis last night, losing 119-109. to The biggest thing, and I feel like with this Utah Jazz, looking back at last night's game, is that the Jazz, if you compare average height wingspan across position groups for the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Utah Jazz, the Memphis Grizzlies are magnificent in terms of wingspan uh, measurables for their positions. John ja Morant, Desmond Bain, you, you look at Good luck what, dealing with Stephen Adams. I was going to say, Stephen Adams also. like Just the, the way that the Memphis Grizzlies are built, they have really turned themselves into a very, very good team. And they, they played the Utah Jazz last year in the playoffs, and the Jazz dispatched them relatively easily. But that was a young team who was still learning to win. I think they have taken that next step this year. Memphis is going to be in the top four in the in the West this year. It's very clear at this point. They're going to finish in the top four. They're going to have a home playoff series to start the NBA playoffs. The biggest thing with last night's game is I felt like the Utah Jazz, had they had their full complement of players, and currently, yes, there are three, two guys out, and they're your top two players if you're the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. I feel like last night's game, had you had both of those guys, that's a game that still is an absolute dogfight, but there's... Uh, there is the thought in the back of my head saying, I need to see this Jazz team get back to full strength. Just 12 games ago, I, I tweeted this out last night, Jeff. Just 12 games ago, the Utah Jazz were sitting at 28-10, and 10, and life was feeling pretty good for this team. 12 games later, they're 30-20. and 20, And it's like, whoa, what, what, just, what just happened? Yeah, exactly, yes. Yeah, to use that drop. But it, that, that's the, how quickly I think the tenor of a season can change. 
this month of January at the outset of, I do vividly remember we did a show and I, we were talking about this. I, well, maybe it's Eric that was here. I don't remember who was here producing that day. We, and we talked about all the other shows that week is at the outset of the new year, January was going to be a crucible for this Utah jazz team. They were contenders up and down the uh, schedule. And you were looking at it and saying, okay, we'll see how the jazz stack up. Then, COVID hits the Utah Jazz. The last team to have COVID issues, they get hit with that. Then they have the injury issues pop up with Donovan Mitchell with the concussion protocol, Rudy Gobert with the calf strain. We've had multiple other uh, issues with Utah Jazz players. By the way, Boyan Bogdanovich playing through an avulsion oh, fracture. Yeah, he, fracture, excuse me. Yeah, uh, I think, I don't remember who, it, it might have been uh, Jake and Tim or it might have been David uh-huh. who was saying that more or less they're playing without Bogdanovich right now because he... I mean, that finger is supposed to have somewhere around six weeks mm-hmm. with no movement to heal properly, and he's trying to play through it. And clearly it's affecting him, yes. which it's admirable for the effort, but at the same time, it's like, if it's not going to work, then he needs to get that healed up because we're going to need bogey as well. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's playing one-handed right now. He can't really dribble, do much with his left hand because he's got that splint on that finger to try and keep it immobilized at all, at all possible. And it is on his left hand. It's on his shooting hand. So... He technically can play with it, but I, I'm with you. You're playing with a one-handed Boyan Bogdanovich, and a one-handed Boyan Bogdanovich is actually a pretty decent NBA player, but you want a full full complement of your of your weapons. I'm of the opinion, this is, let me be very clear, this is me just speaking. If I'm Boyan Bogdanovich and I get to the All-Star break, which is coming up here, are we just a, what, a week and change out? Are we, what, 10 days two, out? Two weeks. Two I, weeks. I think the Jazz's last game is the 16th of February at okay. the Lakers, okay. I believe. Okay, so so we're coming up on it. They're going to have a full nine days off. I actually looked at Oh, yeah, February 16th at Los Angeles. You're a smart man. Look at you go. All right, look at the schedule, Jake. Don't be a dummy. So they will be off uh, from the fe- February 16th for the All-Star break, and they'll be off until the following Friday when they face the Dallas Mavericks. I look at this, and yes, the, I, the time window for that avulsion fracture, uh, looking at the timeline, it was four to six weeks. You need to immobilize to heal up. Boyan Bogdanovich, the dude loves playing hoop. It's very clear. He has uh, turned ankles. He has hurt his wrist. Like he had to have surgery on that wrist. He has played through numerous maladies because he just likes playing hoop. I want him healthy for the playoffs. Similar to what you were just saying, Jeff. The the tenor, the refrain, everything we hear from the Utah Jazz is, yes, right now it's not good. We're not playing well. We're, we're losing games. It's blah, 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 blah. It's all a look ahead. They, they, they want to be right come April when the NBA playoffs tip off. Well, if you want to get right, you may tell Boyan, take the hit now. Sit sit now. Get yourself healthy. We'll get you back sometime in March, hopefully. And then we're looking towards the playoffs. And at that point, you're hoping that Rudy's go, full go, Donovan's full go, Mike Conley, who I think Mike Conley, dude needs extra, he, he needs NBA officials to understand what this dude's doing. Uh, you heard it last night in the postgame. Maybe I should be getting more technicals. Maybe I get some more respect from the officials. I don't blame him. He, it's been a it's been a career long issue for him. He does not get calls. No, absolutely, I completely agree. Um, I want to jump back okay. to the Bogey thing yeah. really quick. I I agree with what you said on Mike Conley. Before Bogey got injured, he was shooting. I don't remember if it was numbers wise, but arguably the best of his career. He, in, his splits in, were really in, good, in, yeah. In the NBA, and so clearly the injury is affecting him. And to your point, if it's if it's about the playoffs, it's about postseason, and we want to get him healthy. It's like if he heals up and goes right back up to shooting, 
you know, shooting the way he was before he got injured. We need that. Sure. Like that is there. Him being injured is not as big of a loss as not having Donovan or not having Gobert. But I think people underestimate what him being injured, how much it impacts the Jazz. And to what we were saying before, again, if other people are starting to step up a little bit more, Eric Pasco, Daniel mm-hmm. House, certain people, then give him a chance. You know, let Bogey heal and give some other people a chance to show what they can do off the bench. I, I, and I, I like what you said, and we're going to get to more of this. Uh, coming up in our next segment, we're actually going to play Quinn Snyder's postgame press session. I, wanna, I want you guys to hear the entirety of it if you did not hear it. I thought he had a very good message, and it actually kind of stands in stark contrast to what he said earlier this week. He was Oh, Wednesday pl- was the... He was fiery. Yeah, like he, he was composed because yes. he had to be, but yeah. he was the, the angriest I'd heard him all season. He has, and I, I think it was Andy Larson, I think, from the Salt Lake Tribune, pointed this out Wednesday night. There seems to be one to three memorable post-game press conferences where, like you said, Quinn is composed, but there is no mincing of words. And it, ha- it happens annually. There's one to three of them, and he sends his message. And anybody out there, let me pull back the curtain a little bit on how coaches use the media in their post-game press conferences. They're not speaking to you, the fans. They're not speaking to us, to hear, to us in the media, per se. They are speaking to their players via the media that is what the message is going right back into that locker room well and you find that by the fact that people ask when a question and then he'll answer it how he wants to answer it not necessarily how the question was asked he steers it how he wants yes and that so we're gonna let you hear from that i want to talk more about guys like dan wellhouse uh i also want to talk about eric pascal we'll get to all of that in just a moment let's flip over and talk for him they'll also hear what's the big deal about the other big thing this weekend the nfl playoffs we have championship weekend upcoming both games scheduled for tomorrow one o'clock mountain time will be the afc championship game with the cincinnati Bengals taking on the kansas city chiefs followed by an nfc west showdown the third matchup between the san francisco 49ers and the los angeles rams in the nfc playoffs Jeff, uh, let's start off on the AFC side of things. I am starting really to fall in love with with what the Cincinnati Bengals are doing, but they also are going up against the buzzsaw that is the Kansas City Chiefs, and apparently they only need 13 seconds to get points on the board. So where should we start on this one? Well, the Bengals are the the fairy tale story, and so you do want to root for them. Also, and I'm not going to get into this, but if you have certain feelings about overtime rules then most people are probably leaning towards the Bengals if not for that reason alone I would have I thought it would have been awesome to have seen the Bengals and the Bills just because it kind of an unexpected matchup I guess sure. you could say yeah um obviously though with the Chiefs I mean Andy Reid is a great coach and and they do they're a great team and they do deserve it they've got the best player in football right now Patrick yeah, Mahomes yeah. is no, special they, they do um I there, I like to believe in fairy tale stories, so I'm I'm gonna go Bengals. But oh. you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to bet it's hard to bet against the Chiefs, though. Uh, so Eric was here last week when we were doing our picks on NFL games, and he was crowing on and on about the Tennessee Titans, and well, uh, and so. So okay, the thing is, he's going on and on trying to play devil's advocate, and, I, I, and he didn't tell me he was playing devil's advocate until I was like, "Hey, what's your pick for that game?" It was it was Cincinnati versus Tennessee, if I recall correctly. And he's like, "Well, I'm going to go with the Bengals." And I'm like, "Hold on, what, what have you been doing this whole time?" <laughs> so I made him pick Tennessee. He's like, well, "Fine, I'll, I'll I'll believe in my guys. I believe in Tennessee." And Cincinnati goes out and gets the job done. There's a real curse across sports in first round buys. In some ways, yes. This year it has been, yeah. 
I, well, we saw both number one seeds. Uh, the, the Niners go to Green Bay and somehow win without scoring an offensive touchdown. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But you're right. The the number one seeds. There's the 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 play versus rest debate is actually a real thing. There are teams who want nothing more than to get right back on the field. They just they, they like playing the they like the rotation of playing weekly. You you gear up, you play Sunday, and then you get right back in the rotation. You gear up and play Sunday. They like that when you've have a game off late in the season after you've played. That's in the NFL now. It's 18 weeks. You have a bye week in there, but after 18 weeks, and then you all of a sudden you have a week off while these other teams are playing. There's a huge debate of those teams playing and being in that that grind. I guess is the easiest way to say it. And then you having to come in and and get right back into it after a week off. There's that play versus rest debate. Is it's a real thing. Yeah. Well, and then you have the mixed bag because on the other hand, if you have guys out injured and you get an extra week to to try to get sure. some people back, then that might be well, that's what Tennessee, you. That's what Tennessee wanted. It was Derrick Henry. They wanted to give him that extra time, and they got the number one seed. Derrick Henry, he didn't lose that game, I felt like. And no. the funny thing is, the Cincinnati Bengals won despite Joe Burrow getting sacked not one, not two, nine times. That offensive line for Cincinnati is hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. And Kansas City's defensive front is not the same as uh, what Tennessee has got. But uh, if you're Cincinnati, you better be scheming something up because you know that the Chiefs are going to pin their ears back and they're coming after number nine. Oh, there's there's no reason to not think that the Chiefs are going to win except for, like I said, Cinderella story because you've got Patrick Mahomes, you've got Travis Kelsey, you've got uh, Tyreek Hill. You have all these, uh-huh. you know, all these big players. There's no reason to bet against the Chiefs. Sure, but I'm just gonna go Bengals because why not? You yeah, know, why have not? fun, make your picks. Yeah, see, I'm going with the Chiefs. And right now, honestly, if you were to pick, so going into the playoffs, I was my pick to win the Super Bowl was Green Bay Packers. I thought there was an Aaron Rodgers revenge tour, a bleep you tour, if you will, from him that he was going to lead them to a Super Bowl title and then there was going to be a huge debate about, well, what is Green Bay going to offer him to keep him in town? But the Niners went and beat him. And interest of full disclosure, I'm a huge Niners fan. I'm wearing a Niners shirt right now. Like I, The Niners are my team, but I thought Green Bay was going to win the Super Bowl. Now, with the final four teams remaining, my pick for the Super Bowl, I'm going with Kansas City. The fact that they could take every single haymaker that Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills could throw at them and have only 13 seconds to work with and somehow get themselves not just within field goal range, within chip shot field goal range for an NFL kicker of Harrison Butker's caliber, just stunning to me. There's nothing this team can't do. And Kansas City's my favorite to win it all. I am going to respectfully pick a different team. I... Like I said, I'm, guessing I, on the, I, I'm guessing on the I, NFC side of things here, yeah, right? Yeah, so, so I, I picked the Bengals to go through. I don't actually yeah. believe that, but I'm still picking them. But <laughs> Okay. I uh, Just having fun. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Ju- yeah, just having fun. But I think there's a very – I think the Rams have a very strong case. Don't smite me, Mr. No. Well, no, Mr. San Francisco. And, but okay, I, here, here's the thing. Let me be very clear about this. The San Francisco 49ers are winning in spite of the fact that they have horrendous quarterback play. I made a bet. Well, actually, I just broke my own bet. I, I promised that if, if Jimmy G got the Niners into field goal range where they could win that game against the Green Bay Packers, my slander for Jimmy Garoppolo would be over. 
Maybe that only exists in Twitter. But regardless, the Niners are winning in spite of, of subpar quarterback play right now. The Los Angeles Rams, they are elite. They've got pass rushers. They've got the best defensive lineman in the game right now. They've got a quarterback in Matthew Stafford who's been just— I was just, say, let's talk about bringing in Matthew Stafford yeah, this year. Denigrated, overlooked, under—he's underwhelmed at times during his time out there in Detroit— well, people thought he was not going to get it done this year. And guess where the Los Angeles Rams are? They are playing at home against their NFC West rival in San Francisco with a chance, if they win, to play the Super Bowl on their home field. Yeah, and I think whether they make it to the Super Bowl, whether they win the Super Bowl, I think most people would probably agree that taking Matthew Stafford and letting Jared Goff go was the right it was. decision. Yeah. Um, and they should feel extremely excited for the future. I guess um, you know they've they've still got some some legs in them to to you know if it doesn't work out this year you know they they still have more time to work. Yeah, it, it, I look and let's let's talk about the NFC. We got to get the break here, but real quickly on the NFC side of things, is San Francisco the last three seasons has had the Rams number. You know what the record is for San Francisco? 0 six. Well, for the Rams against the Niners, they're zero and six in yeah. the last three seasons. Like Kyle Shanahan has beaten Sean McVay head-to-head six straight times. You got to do it a seventh time here. There is a mental aspect of knowing that record because as much as people want to talk about, oh, the record doesn't matter, the players, they know. Mm-hmm. They know. And there is a certain degree of, even though I think the Rams are better than the Niners at this point, them knowing that record might put them out a little bit. Yeah, and the... The interesting part with this is I think that the Rams, have they had they, they went all in. They, they have pushed all their chips in the middle. They traded for Vaughn Miller. Uh, they've got Jalen Ramsey. Eric Weddle, the former Ute, is in the defensive secondary out there coming out of retirement. <laughs> He's 37 years old and still looking like he can still play. It's pretty impressive what the Aaron Rams— Aaron Donald. I was going to say Aaron Donald's the best defensive lineman in, in the league. Like he, he's— and has been. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, his his ability to consistently dominate and be what he has been for four or five years now at least, it's insane. But he's very, very good. And the, the, the biggest thing is now, can the Niners somehow find yet another way to cross up what the Rams are obviously going to be game planning for them? I don't know. And I think, and I've said this, trust me, I'm, I'm three weeks in now on these NFL playoffs saying, well, it's been a fun ride with the Niners, but they're, they're going down after this week. I'm picking the Rams. I'm going against my team. Call me a bad fan if you will, but I've got Rams versus Chiefs. I'm going chalk here. I'm going chalk. I'm going the favorites at home to play in the Super Bowl, but there's a lot of intriguing stories on the other side with both underdogs coming in here. So. We'll see. Who are you, are you picking the Rams? Yeah. So, you got, so, you, so you're going Rams Bengals. I'm going. I'm going Rams Bengals. Bengals again. What not, a story it would be. Yeah. What a story it would be. Yes. But on the other side, yeah, Rams. I I do believe that they will be the 49ers. If both underdogs win, Niners Bengals. Those are the two underdogs. The two visiting teams. They they met in the Super Bowl 40 years ago. Boomer Esiason versus Joe Montana. Joe Montana won, a, won the first Super Bowl title for the San Francisco 49ers and kicked off the dynasty that was the Niners through the 80s and the better part of the 90s. So some fun storylines if you get that as well. It'd be a really weird offseason if the 49ers won the Super Bowl and looked oh, bad through the entire oh, playoffs. <laughs> They've looked bad so far, so why not win the whole thing and still look bad? Go win the thing. Yes, that, that's what it's all about. That's, that's the refrain right now. But, yeah, you're right. They, they, they went and drafted Jimmy Garoppolo's presumed replacement and Trey Lance. If he wins the Super Bowl, 
Oh my god. Okay. Anyways, we <laughs> there's more to talk about. We'll get to more about later on on today's show. All right. Coming up next, we we'll get right back to the Utah Jazz. I want you guys to hear from Quinn Snyder. Very interesting comments I felt like from the Utah Jazz head coach about where he sees his team right now, and it, it I think is maybe we as fans and media etc are maybe perceiving things a lot worse than they are inside the building. We'll get to that next. This is the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. It's the weekend! It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday show. Can't wait. Can't can't, can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Jay Catch along for the ride on this Saturday morning for all of you out there. Thank you for taking the time to join us. I want to remind you guys that Jimmy's Flowers is one of our sponsors here on the Saturday show. Valentine's Day is coming soon, my friends. It is, let's see, we are January 29th, so we are 16, 17 days away. Uh, take care of that special someone in your life with flowers from Jimmy's Flowers. Order early for the best selection at jimmysflowers.com or visit their stores in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden. That's Jimmy's Flowers. All right, time to get back to some Utah Jazz talk here. They suffered their fourth straight loss last night to the Memphis Grizzlies. One, uh, it was one, 119 to 109 was the final tally in that game. And it was a rough week for the Utah Jazz because they played the three teams in front of them in the Western Conference standings. Yes, the Utah Jazz, despite all of the sky is falling, everybody panic moments, the Utah Jazz are still fourth in the Western Conference. I know that's hard to believe, but it's true. You just got to look at NBA standings. Now, can things be better for this team? Absolutely. I want you guys, and so I want to play Quinn Snyder's post-game press session from last night because I thought it, 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 it laid out how he perceives this team right now after, like I said, a rough week for them, four straight losses. They have lost, uh, let's see, four of their last seven, 10 of their last 12. They're 4-11 this month, in the month of January. It's been a rough go for this team. But Quinn Snyder, he's not giving up on this team. Here you go. We competed our tails off. Um, and there was a lot of size on the floor, and we didn't have a lot of it. And you know, we we battled, and you know, when it's a four-point game, three minutes to go, Boyan's got a layup. We're right there. Maybe it was five-point game, six-point game. I don't know what it was. But we were right there. And that was after being down, you know, double digits at various times. So, um, these guys are leaving it out there. And that's what we want to do. We want to do. That's going to help us get better. When guys come back, they got to be just as competitive. Played like a hungry team. That's who we need to be. We need to be a hungry team. Um, you know, it's kind of just playing the way that we play when we're the balls moving in a way that allows us to attack a closeout or take a shot. And 
we've got to keep, you know, we can't pass up shots, meaning we can't catch the ball and not shoot it or drive it or pass it. That's just, that's paramount to how we play the game. And when we do that um, and we drive it and we're under control, you know, good things can happen, you know, if we don't leave our feet and commit, you know, if we're poised in the lane. And I thought the times that hurt us were when we weren't, you know, when that did happen and then we weren't as aware of our spacing or we passed up a shot. Um, and then the ball stops and then you get a team that's as long and as athletic as them and they're able to lock in again. And, but as much as anything, you know, that's reference to the offensive end. I just think defensively we were, you know, we were scrambling and playing hard. It wasn't perfect, but, you know, scrapping for rebounds and then we can get out and run. So, you know, when you play hard, good things happen. Playing selfish, good things happen. That's what we did. Yeah. No, I mean, a few years ago, we talked about, you know, freedom of movement and wraps, grabs, you know, two hands. And, you know, it's hard for Mike. I mean, our, my message to our guys is always, you know, adjust to the, the way the game's officiated. But, you know, Mike's as quick as anybody out there, but he's 170 pounds. Strong 170, but, you know, he drives with two hands on him. You know, usually if a guy's going straight, he doesn't try to go the other direction away from the basket. So um, we got to be tougher, get lower, get stronger, you know, initiate. You know, he's not hooking anybody. I know that. Um, you know, we've got to be that. That's where we we, we played with a, with a chip on our shoulder. Tonight. That, you know, that's what it, no one's going to give us anything. You know, I don't care how the game's officiated, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think it's at a disadvantage for someone like Mike. Has Mike had a technical in his career? So that that says a little something about when he thinks he's getting bounced around. You know, probably not lying. So it's just a question of what kind of game we want. And uh, whatever that is, we, you know, like I said, I mean, we, we need to be tougher. We need to be hungrier. I think that's something we've improved on the last four games and you know, let's take it up another notch. When Rudy comes back, Donovan comes back, they have to meet that same level. And, you know, let's be stronger. So maybe, maybe that's the answer. Um, Is there a way to take, you know, guys have control of the Say, say, guys, what tone growing? Yeah, I mean, we, we guys, guys, you know, guys are competing for minutes. You got to defend. You know, you got to run. Got to run back. You know, take pride in those things, and good things happen. You know, that's what I said. I, I thought Rudy Gay raised his level tonight. Um, House raised his level. You know, I thought Hassan raised his level. And, you know, Trent did the other night. 
and those guys can continue, um, you know, to give us, give us that. I think that that, you know, that's hunger and that's infectious. I mean, our whole team's got to be that way. Everybody's got to have that. Donovan's got to have that. Rudy's got to have that. Mike's got to have that. Um, that that's that, that's fun. That's when the game gets fun. And I think you're not going to go in the locker room and see a bunch of smiles, but you know you, you, you probably see some guys that you know have some pride and and uh, can feel good at least about the you know the way they're competing. And I think that that's over the long term. That's what wins. I like what he just said. Competing in the long term, that's what wins. The Utah Jazz don't have their best two players right now. They're the best two players. I think they're far more competitive and maybe pick up a couple of wins this week. I know that's ifs and buts and candy and nuts and all that stuff. But Is that a phrase? I think it's the first if, time I've heard that. If, ifs and buts for candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. I think that's the right phrase there. I've literally never heard that. You can Google it. But that's the thing about that is like hypotheticals don't get you anywhere in sports. Results are what matters. I say it, and I host, I have a podcast that covers BYU, and I say this all the time on my podcast. I'm going to say it right here. All that matters to fans, if you really want to boil it down to the essence of what you're doing as a fan of a certain team, is you want to see your team have more points at the end of the night or the end of the game than the other team. If you want to boil it down to just brass tacks, bare minimum, you want your team to win, the other team to lose. Right? Are we wrong here? Like, So I, I like what Quinn said. Continue to compete. He wants his guys to continue to buy in. And Quinn's obviously trying to massage some guys' egos, I feel like, in that locker room. Uh, I, I, I thought it was kind of funny during that. He's talking about, well, I don't care about how things are officiated. Um, you want to talk about the technical you got last night, Coach, after that no call? <laughs> He was yelling. It's the heat of the moment. And by the way, have you seen that video of the lady behind him just like eyes wide open? No, I haven't. It's on my Twitter feed. A fan. We do this at least once on a Saturday show where I'm just like, oh, I haven't seen this. And you're like, check my Twitter. But you're you're in the middle of producing the game. I don't expect you to see it. I'm, Jeff, I'm blessed enough to do what I do. I usually sit in your seat. I'm usually sitting behind the glass, perusing social media, posting audio, all all that stuff. I'm doing all the stuff the producers do. I'm blessed enough that with jazz games, I got to go go home, sit on my couch, have my kids climb all over me while I'm watching the game. I get to peruse social media, and I see th- random stuff that happens during a game that you will not see. So, yes, this does happen a lot when you're producing the show. I'm like, hey, did you check it out on my Twitter feed. It, it, go, Jacob C. Hatch. It's pretty funny. There's a lady behind Quinn Snyder when he is just unloading on those officials, getting that technical last night. And she is just bug eyes, like, oh, my goodness, because <laughs> he was – he was spouting off. He, he pulled his best Jerry Sloan impression. Let's just put it that way. But the overall message I feel like from Quinn is what I think he is trying to get across is that this team still believes. Yes, they have had a bad, bad month. The, the all-star break cannot get here soon enough. They cannot get Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell back on the court together along with the rest of the guys. They need to get all of that back together. But the hope is that that is all happening and I would say that if we get into mid-March and we're still having injury concerns with guys sitting out extended periods of times that's getting too late right now is not too late you're only at the 50 game mark we hit the 50 game mark last night the Jazz said 30 and 20 despite all of the crap that's been going on with this team injuries COVID-19 rumors from Rick Buecher that their one first round exit from 
Donovan Mitchell going to New York. By the way, uh, Donovan Mitchell, if you want to go to New York, uh, you're going to play for the worst owner in sports. I'm just saying. Dolan, James Dolan, is a he's adult. There you go. There, use some alliteration there. Don't do it. But that's just me. Uh, Donovan Mitchell for James Harden? Question mark. <laughs> right. Complete sarcasm. Please, nobody <laughs> quote me on that. Jeff Fafa something 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 sixteen on Twitter. Send send your hate mail there. But anyways, uh, complete sarcasm. Please, the, please don't come after me. <laughs> but the biggest thing with the Utah Jazz is they're they're fighting. You can see it if you've watched the games this week. They have gone up against three other teams that are ahead of them in the Western Conference standings. Got teams that. In theory, the Jazz could see whether it's in the Western Conference semifinals or the Western Conference finals, should they make it that far in the playoffs. And they have hung toe they have hung toe to toe? What's the phrase I'm trying to use here? They they, they just they've gone toe they've gone, gone toe to toe. toe. I was like, toe to toe is right, but I don't think they've it's the gone right toe word. to toe. We got it. I, we can do this. This is live radio. Come on now. Uh, but they've we got, can do hard things. They've gone toe-to-toe with these teams, and they have shown well without their best two players. Are there deficiencies on this Jazz roster, and could they very well make a trade ahead of the NBA trade deadline coming up? Absolutely. That wouldn't surprise me. But this team I don't think is as far away as we in the media and fans out there at large might perceive it to be. I took that away from Quinn Snyder last night. Maybe I'm up in the night. Maybe I'm wrong for assuming as such, but... I think Quinn's got a better pulse of this team than we do. Yeah, I'm going to say two quick things because yeah. I know we need to go to break. One, I think the Suns are the best team in the league, and it's not close. Well, that's so easy, yeah. Like, it's it's respectable. Re- Record-wise, yeah. Uh, it's respectable, I guess uh-huh. you could say, to lose to them in a competitive way. And in the first, first game, second game, if we don't let Devin Booker go off for 21 points in the first mm-hmm. quarter— you know, maybe yeah. maybe that's different. Getting yeah. a fast start. Second thing is, you mentioned a month ago. You know, we were what twenty six, twenty eight, and ten. It was twenty eight and ten, twelve games ago. Yeah, and things were seeming fine. And now a month later, we're thirty and twenty. Who's to say a month from now we don't revert back to what it was like a month ago, it where the record looks looks good again? It's again, it's about the end of the season, and it's also about recognizing that there is still time and. You know, this guy is not falling. There is still plenty of time to turn things around. Yeah, there, there is time. Yeah, so I want to see that turnaround soon, though. I, I want to see this team back at full strength tomorrow. I, if I, if I could wave a magic wand and say, Rudy Gobert, your calf is healed. Donovan Mitchell, your concussion issues are behind you. Everybody else has got an ache and a pain, a broken finger for bogey. I'd wave that magic wand and say, you're back to full strength. Go out there and do your thing. Because I think this team's a whole lot better than what they've shown recently. But, Maybe maybe that's just me being sunshine and rainbows and trying to sound like a, a TV broadcaster, as PK likes to say. No, and you look at a weird, weird two games. We beat the Nuggets without Gobert and without Mitchell, and the Nuggets are a pretty good team. They're they they're better than certain teams that we have lost to without yeah. um, Mitchell and Gobert. And so it shows again, we can do it. We just have to do it. Uh, one correction real quick here. Our good friend Ryan Hancock, the former BYU Cougar quarterback slash pitcher, guy who pitched in the major leagues. I've played golf with Ryan. He's a great dude. Uh, he's, he corrects me. It's actually Joe Montana versus Ken Anderson in 1981 in that first Niners-Bengals matchup. And I said, okay, yeah, well, there you go. So it was it was Boomer Esiason in, this, in the matchup later on. In the, was that 80? 
I'm not even gonna try again. I already screwed up once, but it was Ken Anderson alive. was the know. quarterback for the for the Bengals in that first matchup that kicked off Niner Mania there in the 1980s. So thank you, Ryan, for listening. Appreciate you weighing in. All right, coming up next, we get to technical fouls, rewarding people who behave badly in sports and beyond. Later on in the 11 o'clock hour, we're gonna let you hear some of the highlights from Tom Homo's media session. Went for 40 some odd minutes, 46 minutes maybe. Uh, but we're gonna get some of the highlights from that. Let you hear from him, and also we'll also get to five minutes of talk some soccer hockey college hoops so a whole lot more still to come right here on the saturday show right here on the zone sports network if you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet that's a technical foul if you switch the radio to some modern music show that's a technical foul if you touch the thermostat you'll get hit with a bat because that's a technical foul you will feel my wrath that's a technical foul Personal file, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. I take the cool foul. Welcome back to the Saturday Show, presented by our friends over at Mountainland Supply. Thank you for taking the time to join us here. And as you heard right there, it is time for technical fouls. And, okay, Jeff, are you a UFC fan? I am not. Okay, but you know what UFC is, obviously. Yeah, no, Ultimate Fighting Championship and... They are some very tough dudes to get in an octagon and beat the ever-living you-know-what out of each other in the name of money. Uh, but, uh, okay, so Don Fry is UFC Hall of Famer. He won UFC 8. I think we're up to UFC 271 upcoming, so it's been a while. Uh, UFC has been around for a long time. It was not as big as it was back in the day, but... Um, so Don Fry uh, said that a fan at the most recent event, it was in Anaheim, I believe, UFC 270. Uh, Fry said he, this fan was drunk, bumped into his hat, and after an exchange of a war exchange of words, the fan challenged Don Fry to a fight. Uh, though he did not hit him with full force, Fry did smack him in the face with a jab so mean it snapped the he- the fan's head back. And you can see it. TMZ Sports actually has a video of it. Uh, the fan obviously was escorted away by uh, a security, but let's just put it this way. Uh, let's not, you know, pick fights with UFC Hall of Famers. No. Seems like a bad, bad idea because those people, they're just going to, they'll beat you up. No doubt about that. All right. Um, other things out there. Uh, obviously, we were just talking about the NFL playoffs a little bit earlier on in this hour. Uh Jeff, do you know how expensive it is going to be to go to this game? Tens of thousands of dollars. Well, Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Parking know. is going to cost you almost as much as a ticket to the game. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Arash Markazi, who is a sports columnist for Los Angeles Times, uh, this came yesterday, I believe, said prepaid sp- parking spots within one and a half miles of SoFi Stadium are being sold online now. $175 for a spot at a nearby high school, $200 for a spot at a nearby residential unit, $300 for a spot at a nearby home, oh, and just a healthy $498.23 for a spot at the garage of a nearby medical center if you'd like to go park there for the game. 500 bucks to park your car for the opportunity to go watch the Rams and the Niners. Normally I wouldn't say this, but I feel like Uber would be cheaper. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably, even with the swarm pricing or whatever they call that, that they have for those big things. But, geez, it's crazy. So, uh, let's see. So, Rosh Mkazi said this. There's an interesting trend happening with Rams 49ers tickets. The get-in price starting to drop below $600. It's still the most expensive of the season, while the price of on-site parking passes has risen above $300. So on-site, like on the actual 
property of um, SoFi Stadium there. The Hollywood Park is what they called that district or whatever down there in Inglewood. Man, that's crazy expensive to park your car. But yeah, so, and the whole thing, by the way, just another technical foul on the Los Angeles Rams for trying to stop non-LA-based fans from buying tickets to the game in the thought that they were going to stop 49ers fans from taking over their stadium like they did a few weeks ago. It was, uh, let's see, who was it? Matthew Stafford's wife, Kelly Stafford, I think she said it on social media, said it sounded like an away game in their home stadium when the Niners and the Rams squared off in Week 18. You know what? Niners fans represent everywhere. I was going to say, the only technical foul there is on your own fans for not being loud enough. Or buy up your own tickets and don't sell them to Niners fans. Like yeah, I'm just saying, like, show up. Yeah, that's, no, that, that's if, the thing with if, the, if your fans show up, then you're not, you don't have this problem. L.A. didn't have NFL football for the better part of two decades when the Rams uh, moved to St. Louis for that time, and also the Raiders uh, went to Oakland uh, before moving on to Las Vegas. They got the Rams back now, but that two decades, a lot of people moved to L.A. They did not have an NFL team. They latched on with, in some cases, they were still Raiders fans. Some may have latched on with with the, what was then the San Diego Chargers. Some were Niners fans. It's going to be some time before you ultimately get, I think, a true home field advantage. I know that home field advantage isn't necessarily as big of a thing in NFL football as it is in college football, but still. It's going to take you some time to build back up that Rams fan base. I'm just saying. So technical foul on trying to stop fans you know, from actually going and watching the game. Yeah. Well, maybe this is a bad comparison, but you look at uh, a, a college like BYU that has such a big fan base everywhere else. We yeah. talk about getting that fan support. Imagine if all these colleges are just like, okay, BYU fans can only be limited to 200, <laughs> there, like, you know, some crazy There number. have been attempts at that in the past. BYU fans are wily, though. I'll give them that. BYU fans, they will find ways. They will get to those games. Trust me. I, I've got I've got some homies that are diehard Cougar fans, and they have found ways to get into games. And I'm just like, how in the world did you even come up with that? But that's they just go. Well, shout out to our guy Nate Slack, who I don't think has missed a BYU game, and you know, however long. It's been a hot minute. Yeah, Nate's a good friend. Who's down in Arizona now, but he he does he. Okay, that's actually a funny story about Nate. I know Nate, Nate fairly well. He moved to Arizona to take a job down there after graduating from BYU, with the caveat in it that he would be able to come to every BYU home game. He would fly back up. Like That was just the deal. So, Fans are diehards, man. It, it, it's, it's crazy. And I, I got mad respect for all of you out there who do stuff like that. You, you go, you represent, you get out on the road, you support your team. It's actually it's very commendable. And it's just it's stupid when a team tries to stop that from happening. And they try and, well, with your, your zip code's going to determine. Like, guess what? The funny thing was PayPal, they actually hide all that information. You can pay via PayPal on Ticketmaster for games. And you could have been living in the Bay Area, and there was no way the, the Rams would have ever been able to know. So, all right. Enough of that. All right, coming up next, we're going to stick with the BYU theme here for a minute. Tom Homo uh, held his semi-annual media roundtable earlier this week. Some interesting comments as the Cougars gear up to join the Big 12 in 2023. We'll let you hear some of the highlights of his comments from that media session coming up next, right here on the Saturday Show. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, We've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to the Saturday Show. Hour two underway here on this Saturday. Hope you all are doing great out there wherever you might be. Uh, want to remind you guys that Jimmy's Flowers is part of our sponsorship group here on the Zone Sports Network. Valentine's Day is just weeks away, and Jimmy's Flowers can make it easy with ready-made or custom-designed arrangements. Order today at jimmysflowers.com or visit their stores in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden. That's our friends at Jimmy's Flowers. And guys, don't screw this up. But Nobody screwed up. Valentine's Day is important. Let's be very clear about that. Jeff, have you been making plans for Valentine's Day already, or are you a guy that does last minute? I'm going to say something that you don't, I know you, my wife is not listening. You don't do Valentine's Day? I absolutely do Valentine's okay. Day. Last year, I went hard for Valentine's Day. There's a jazz game on Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah, there is, isn't there? So I'll have to do another day, which... Yeah. Bless my wife's heart. Don't know how she puts up with me, but she's usually pretty good about, hey, if we've got something going on on a particular day, we can do something another day. It's all right. That's good because in this industry, your significant other needs to understand that sports are, you know, you're at the you're beholden to the schedule. Let's put it that way. Well, and this year has been brutal as far as holidays go for the Jazz. <laughs> it has. So. No doubt about that. All right. Uh, so, yeah, get your get your flowers. Jimmy'sFlowers.com. Don't screw it up. They make it easy for you guys. All right. Time to talk a little BYU. I guess football in particular, but I think BYU sports as a whole. Uh, BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo held his super secret annual media summit down there in Provo. I say super secret because it's just a joke we've always had that you're only allowed to send one person from each media organization. They... You, you, we'll tell you the time and place later. It's it's not necessarily that secret, but it, it is kind of funny that way. But he had some very interesting things to say. The, the Cougars obviously are getting ready to head to the Big 12 beginning in 2023. That is a full expectation. Tom spoke as if that's a foregone conclusion at this point, uh, but we're looking forward to that. But the biggest thing is with the with what BYU is facing as they make this transition to the Big 12, and this is where we'll start with the audio, is that uh, there's still, there was a lot of work done for BYU to get into the Big 12, but according to Tom, still plenty to do. The day that it was announced that we're in the Big 12, people celebrated like crazy, like we had arrived. My first thing was, oh no, <laughs> you know, we have so much work to do. I really don't know on a, on a clock if, it were, if we're at 2 o'clock or 11 o'clock. It just seems to me like there's a lot of work to do and a very little time. He's not, he's not wrong. Like, relatively, and the, the funny thing about this is you can play both sides of this. I think BYU can look 40 miles to the north at Utah and their transition to the Pac-12 is a little bit of a, of a roadmap of what they need to do, uh, pitfalls to avoid, uh, things that they should emphasize as they make this transition to the Big 12. The thing is, Utah got announced they were members of the, of the Pac-12 and they jumped in almost immediately afterwards. BYU will have known for the better part of two years that they are going to the Big 12. They have some ramp-up time to get ready, but in the relative overall scheme of things, it's not a lot of time because BYU is going to have to upgrade all kinds of stuff. Uh, performance, obviously, on the field is, is the number one thing, but you need to have behind the scenes. you got to have the staffers there. you got to have the nutrition behind it. you got to have so many different things that are going to have to be upgraded to fit with what you're going into here in the Big 12. And I think that BYU has done a pretty good job at understanding where they're deficient and trying to upgrade that. And we're, we'll talk more about that. There's another uh, quote we'll get to later on in the segment from Tom about budgets and BYU fitting in with their new Big 12 counterparts. But I think he's right. There's not relatively a ton of time, but they do have a little bit of a runway here to hopefully 
be ahead of the curve as compared to maybe Utah was when they joined the Big 12. And I'm not saying that BYU is going to go into the Big 12 and be 10 and 2 and in basketball they're going to be a top 4 in the in the Big 12 in the basketball sense, but I feel like with the extra time, hopefully they can be a little more competitive right off the bat. We'll see. But all right. So the other thing uh, coming out of this is in terms of schedules uh, for BYU, they obviously were independent for the be- for actually over a decade. And they're having to work on scheduling and making sure that they're synced up with regards to teams, other teams coming in because Cincinnati, Houston, UCF are trying to exit the AAC. There were comments from Mike Oresco, the American Athletic Conference commissioner earlier this week, saying that they hope to have those wrapped up relatively soon and that they'll have a date on when those teams are going to leave the AAC and join the Big 12. Well, I think BYU, they're trying to sync up with those other three teams when it comes to scheduling and getting everything on the same page going into the Big 12. I think this spring there'll be some meetings where we'll get a little bit more down into the nitty-gritty of how and what we're doing differently. You know, some things still need to be determined as for entry times and exit times for some of the schools. And so that's going to get a little tricky closer as we get to those, op- those dates. And that, that's the thing about that is as it stands, the American Athletics, the American Athletic Conference's grant of rights, which own the media rights for the three schools who are joining BYU and joining the Big 12, that is set to expire in 2024, which uh, they're trying to negotiate a buyout to allow those programs to make the jump with BYU. But it is tricky because as it stands, those schools are going to owe the American Athletic Conference some money. The other six schools that the American Athletic Conference is bringing in to bolster themselves with the exit of those three schools, well, they owe their conferences money. There, there's a trickle-down effect here, and there will be lawyers involved and billable hours and lots of fun legalese that's going to go into all of this. There will be money paid. But at the same time, I think everybody that's being affected by this most recent round of conference realignment, they understand they've all got to play ball together because this all kind of goes in a circle. And if, you, if you're going to play hardball with somebody, usually karma's going to come back and get you. So I, I like that Tom is saying, we're yes, it's going to be tricky to make sure we line it all up, but they're doing everything within their power to make sure that it is lined up so that all four of those schools – Hopefully, we'll be joining the conference at the same time. BYU can jump whenever. Really, they could. But the other three, they're, they're the bigger hang-up here. Now, uh, there are a lot of BYU fans out there, and I actually have some that are very close to me. They're legitimately family of mine, who are asking me, well, Jake, what's happening with that Provo High campus? Are they going to turn that into the new BYU athletic campus? Like, is, that, is, that, is that where like the football offices and their practice fields? And I don't know. And Tom Homo? Well, he lays out what to expect in terms of facility upgrades and that type of stuff in the lead up to the Big 12? No, not before now when it's before it starts. We're two years away. You could probably build a building between now and two years, but it probably uh, probably wouldn't be as good as you'd want. I think right now where we're at with facilities is trying to look at uh, kind of a master plan and where we could be five or ten years from now. That's how far out you'd have to go in order to build some things that would be right. You're, but you could say, like, nutrition, that's not necessarily a facility where you're building a new facility, but you could be upgrading your existing facilities. So I think there's a range from adjustments and maybe edits to new, new structures. You know, 
okay, he's right. You're, you're not going to just throw a building together or buildings together in two years. Let me also school some of you to the game with regards to how BYU goes about building, especially their athletic facilities. Uh, Jeff, you may know a little bit about this. I don't know if you do, though. And if you do, feel free to pop in with this. But there was a lot made of BYU football when they upgraded their locker room. And it was open this past offseason to great uh, aplomb and players were loving it, all, all that stuff. And it was a very cool thing. There were a lot of people who complained for years and years and years that BYU's locker room was crap and it needed to be upgraded and all this other stuff needs to be upgraded. Uh, the facilities over at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, they need to upgrade the, the boxes. They need to upgrade the locker room at the, at the stadium. They need to build a new football palace for the football team itself. How BYU operates with regards to facilities is they create what they call an endowment fund. They collect money from all their donors for years and years and years. And when they finally break ground on a facility, and this actually I think goes for the entire campus anymore, the money that has gone in to building said facility, so for example, the student athlete building, which houses BYU's locker room, the practice fields are right behind. It actually houses a lot of the other sports as well. It's got their nutrition center, the weight room, all that stuff. That building, when ground was broken on it way back when, I think it was in the early to mid 2000s, ground was broken on that. Every penny that unit, that facility was going to use, then and into perpetuity talking about the future, was paid for. There's an endowment fund that funds that facility in perpetuity. It takes care of the upkeep. It takes care of everything, upgrades over the years. That is done before ground is broken on a facility at BYU. They're not going to do something just build it, go. That's not how they do things. So so that, that may be revolutionary to some people. It may be like, why would you do that? I actually think it's kind of smart in some cases with BYU. They want to make sure those facilities actually, for the lifespan of however they project them to last, and in most cases I think you're projecting probably 30, 40, 50 years down the road, the hope is that those buildings, they will you can upgrade them as needed along the way until you need to replace them, and all that money that you will need for it, you're not having to borrow from the future. It's already paid for up front. So, yeah, very interesting uh, circumstance all the way around. Uh, and so... Coming up on this next one, this next cut from from Tom Homo, uh, it was interesting. And so I'm actually kind of going out of sequential order of how Tom asked about these questions. I, I actually went through the entire thing and pulled out this stuff. So the one I'm talking about here coming up next, and uh, I apologize, Jeff, I didn't label it the right way. So, yeah, I, your text message, don't worry. I'm, I know I'm producing on the air, but don't worry. I, I know where I'm going on this. He talked early on in this press conference about matchups, and not just matchups on the field with the Big 12, matchups across the board. And I thought it was very interesting what he had to say about how BYU kind of, in my mind, this is how Tom kind of perceives BYU as they get ready to join the Big 12 conference. Here you go. And so if you talk about matchups, a lot of it would come down to recruiting. You know, are we going to be able to match up with talent? I think there's some other aspects of matchups would be, like, how are our facilities? Uh, Are we going to be able to provide great training opportunities? I think you could look at nutrition and sports science is a new thing. So we're just trying to look at all of the things that will put our student athletes in the best position. It's not like I think we're deficient. We just need to know the areas that we can upscale. 
that word deficient right there, an upscale. That's what I think BYU, I think, and the, the biggest thing with BYU going into the Big 12 is, as I mentioned, they can look at Utah, TCU, some of these other programs in recent memory in the last decade or so that made the jump from the G5 to the P5, and they can project, okay, we're going to need X number of dollars, we're going to need this type of staff, we're going to need all this stuff. But at the same time, until you actually are in it, you will not actually know what you need, if that makes sense. And that is where I think Tom is actually being very smart about how he is going about preparing the BYU athletic department as a whole, not just the football program, the entire athletic department, for this jump to go into the Big 12. And there is going to be... A learning curve. There absolutely is. University of Utah had it. TCU had it. Anybody who, any program, even if you've gone from the FCS to the G5 level, there is a learning curve and a adjustment period that needs to take place as you try and figure out, okay, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to project for that. But until you're actually at that level, I don't think you'll fully know where you stand per se. So... I actually like the fact that Tom is saying we will adjust as necessary. The other thing about this is BYU is coming into more money as an athletic department than they have ever had in their history. Uh, It's also a, I don't know if it's a secret, but BYU athletics has to eat what it kills. Every money it, every money, every money, every dollar of money that it spends is money that it has to raise itself. And BYU is going to make more money as a member of the Big 12 than they've ever made as as an athletic department. So in theory, that is going to hopefully expand rosters, uh, not rosters, expand coaching staffs, expand uh, opportunities for rosters to have better nutrition access, uh, better weight room facilities, all that stuff. The hope is that more money equals more for everybody. And I think that's how Tom Homo is trying to go about gearing up for BYU as they enter the Big 12. We'll see. I, I think the biggest thing is, they can project as much as they want, but until they actually enter the conference and maybe give it a year, two, or three to see where things stand, the nice part is he says we will try and upscale to meet the demand on that front. Now, moving along here with some more of these cuts that uh, Tom Homo had during this, uh, the, the the biggest thing is how the new scheduling for the Big 12 is going to go. Now, the interesting part is is we are hearing from both the Big Ten as well as the Pac-12 that they are seriously considering, if not already planning on, downsizing their conference schedule from nine games to eight games. The thought is that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten would put together a series where they actually play each other in that slot. That ninth game would actually become a uh, intra-conference or is it interconference intra-con- inter conference uh, showdown between those two conferences. The biggest question right now, and we already kind of heard it from Tom Homo earlier, is that there's going to be meetings later this spring to determine the schedules and whatnot for the Big 12. We don't know if it's going to be eight or nine conference games for the Big 12. They have had nine because they only had ten teams. They played a round-robin format. They called it the one true champion. And it was actually kind of an interesting format. Now, as you go to 14 teams until Texas and Oklahoma take off and then dip back down to 12, who knows what it's going to look like. Regardless if it's 8 or 9, Tom Homo says that they will prioritize in their non-conference playing in-state games, and in theory that would include both Utah and Utah State. I'd say yes for the in-state schools. I think that's important. We have a, we have a really good tradition of playing the in-state schools. At least the initial part, 
of our schedule, we're, we won't be able to in some areas. And that thing right there is, yes, they are trying to downsize 12 and 13 game schedules right now into three, maybe four games. So there is a lot of movement with schedules for BYU and trying to move games. And yeah, there is a very clear possibility that BYU could go one or two years without playing an in-state team. It's not that BYU doesn't want to. It's not that BYU is trying to big-time anybody. It's just the simple fact of the matter that BYU is trying to figure out where to move some of these games and have to cancel some of them with regards to their what they had set up as an independent. They had games, I think Tom said during this media session, they were full on games all the way out to 2027. So if that's yeah, it's 2022, 2023, 2024. That is six years worth of games that you're having to move around now. Like he said that we're not adding teams right now to our non-conference schedule. We've pretty much got everything we're going to have for the foreseeable future. You're going to have to adjust them obviously and say, Hey, okay, can you move to X year here? And that should yield some pretty decent non-conference matchups. But at the same time, I don't envy Tom Homo and his staff's job at trying to unentangle themselves from all of that. Now, uh, similar to this, he also said, do not expect a rivalry game ever, every year. Here's Tom. We have some other teams that we've had rivalries with and have good, good played more than others, like um, Boise State, the Pac-12. We've had some real good rivalries, and we have scheduled games. Those are decisions that still need to be made as to when we can get back and how we will get back. Will it be a consistent every year rivalry where we're playing a rivalry game every year? You've seen that. I'd say the answer would be no. He's not wrong. It's tough. Like, I, I look at that, and I, I, I'm of the opinion that if they can get it to where, I, if you're playing Utah, I'd say home and home every two to four years. So you play a game in Provo, a game in Salt Lake City, and that comes across a two- or four-year span. I think that's good enough. I think it keeps the rivalry alive. The fan bases, we all know, will keep it alive themselves because this is about as rabid a rivalry as you will find in the country, and I mean that sincerely. I love it dearly, but... The reality is there are two teams in the Power Five that are in two different conferences and trying to sync up your schedule. It's harder than you might think, especially on BYU's case right now, just with with regards trying to figure out all of the other games they have laid out. So very interesting. All right, final thing here. uh, It's what I've been promising we'd get to in terms of budgeting for BYU. They're going to have a bigger budget than they've ever had before. They're going to have more money coming in than they've ever had before. But if you're a BYU fan who's thinking BYU's going to go out there and be Oklahoma or Texas where you're going to have a $170 million athletic budget, hold your horses. We're not going to try to jump up and create some budget based on where the rank would be. It gives you kind of an indication of what their budget might be, and you can get it. It's all public information. But it's interesting to look at Oklahoma and Texas, and it's interesting to look at BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston, excuse me, where, and then look at the, the members that will be staying. I think all of those numbers are important. I like looking, like right now, if you were to just take football, we're spending a lot of time on football and the, the actual organization of the football program. Uh, coach, coaching changes, that doesn't change, but there's maybe support staff. And you can look at anybody along in any of those groups or teams that I mentioned, and you'll see different titles, but you won't know really what the job description is, and you'll see different numbers. And that's where I'm saying that's kind of the, 
the strategy is that's kind of a matchup too. Are we going to be able to match Oklahoma or Kansas? Well, if you look at Kansas basketball operation, are we do, are we, do we think we're going to just go right to the top? Where do we go? Well, I'm talking about in terms of uh, structure. And the answer is no. That's where we have to be smart enough and strategic enough to try to get to the point where we feel we're best to start. And then we may overshoot or be way under. But you want to be as close to where you think is right for BYU. And that's what we're doing right now, Patrick. So, yeah, BYU is going to have a bigger budget than they've ever had. That's very clear. But, yeah, any belief that BYU suddenly is going to be spending $100 million on football, uh, yeah, that's not in the near-term future. It'd be fun, but, yeah, BYU's going to spend more. There's obviously clearly about that, but at the same time, I think they're going to be within reason. That's just kind of how BYU operates. So very interesting comments from Tom Homo. If you've not heard the entirety of that media session, you can go to 1280 – actually, no – not 1280thezone.com. Search out the Zone Sports Network, the BYU Cougars feed on your uh, podcast provider of choice. Uh, we are still actually currently working on 1280thezone.com, hoping to have it back up soon. But uh, yeah, so just search out Brigham Young University or BYU on your podcast provider of choice. Uh, we have it up there on our BYU uh, Twitter feeds, uh, not Twitter, podcast feeds. I am all over the place on this. I apologize. But yeah, check it out on your podcast provider of choice. It's obviously a very interesting conversation. And we hit on maybe a tenth of what was in that media session. So there's going to be plenty of fodder for us to use in coming days and weeks on that front from Tom Homo. All right, coming up next, we'll get to five minutes of uh, talk a little bit about Saki. Yeah, some of you probably wonder what is Saki. We talk soccer and hockey, also talk some college hoops. We still got a lot to go on the Saturday show. I want to remind you guys that the Saturday show is brought to you by our friends over at Mountainland Supply. They are our title sponsor where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. More in a moment, right? Right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. Let's go live! We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and aggies, even on the weekend. Weekend! You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Thank you for joining us, Jay Catch. Uh, lots to get to still ahead on today's show, but uh, interesting thing out here. Uh, Jeff, I think we have touched on a nerve here on our jazz takes today. And Osteomath is actually a very uh, loyal listener of ours, and he brings up something interesting here. Uh, he, I, I know he's listening because, of, because he used this term. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, because I used that term earlier today, he says the Utah Jazz would have a coach who rewards and takes advantage of performance. He says instead he is playing a slow wing with an avulsion fracture, speaking of Boyan Bogdanovich, who logs a one for nine from three and a plus minus of minus 15 in a team leading 32 minutes. He uh, quote tweeted a tweet, though, that said Daniel House had 21 points and played just 16 minutes. This is speaking of last night's game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Also played great defense, should have finished the game, but nah, why make adjustments? Now, I would argue a little bit on the House defensive side of things. I don't think he's necessarily as elite defensively as some may make him out to be. He is a good defensive player. I think that's clear. He, he was very good offensively last night. He, I, 
I am an advocate for Dan Wilhouse being on this roster the rest of the season. You're going to him on a minimum deal. I think in these, t- these 10 days and the hardship deals he's been on, I think he's been very, very good, and he's been effusive in his praise. You, you, we talked about this in the break here, Jeff. The, he's been effusive in his praise of his time with the Jazz so far. The other issue is, though, Boyan Bogdanovich makes 30-some-odd million dollars a year. He has been a starter for you since the second he arrived in Utah, and he has been more often one of the key cogs on this team than not. I don't see him getting benched. Balancing adjusting as needed with trusting the system sure. is not a job that I envy Quinn having to do. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, and it's one of those things that he is um, he's trying to balance, absolutely. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, well, and you also... Uh, you do need to put the people out there who are performing, but you also don't want to bench Bogan, make him think that he isn't good enough to be playing right now, and then break his confidence. I do think if Boyan is more injured than if his injury is helping, let's back up on that. If his injury is hurting more than helping him and the team, that's when the conversation needs to be had with regards to him sitting down, getting healthy, and then coming back. If they feel like he continued to be effective with that splint on that finger, there are doctors, coaches, GMs, owners who are all weighing in on that. If they're signing off on it. I'll trust that they're going to say he's okay to go. And who's to say that he and Quinn haven't been sitting down this week, game by game? Sure. Okay, let's see how this went. How are you feeling? How do you feel like you're doing that they're talking about this so that they can work together uh-huh. instead of Quinn just making a decision and Bogey dealing with it yeah. about what is best for him and the team? And I do think that is going to be a conversation that continues. It's, it, it's not going to be a one-time thing. It's going to continue to be a conversation. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. But thanks to Osteomath uh, for weighing in. I, I thought it was interesting, uh, your take on that. But I appreciate it. I, I, I will take any and all comments. You guys can follow us at Jacob C. Hatch. Uh, Jeff, I still don't know your Twitter handle. I still need to change it. Maybe. No, see, if I don't make it recognizable, then I can't get the hate flooding in. So what hate? What are you talking about? Hate? Come on now. Well, with with Twitter recognition always comes Jeff, people so J- upset. E, so it's Jeff Fafa underscore BC. So J E F F F A F A underscore BC. Send all of your angry missives to Jeff Fafa BC. There you go. All right, time for five minutes of, and let's start it off as we typically do with Saki. Steps up. Left foot in. Oh! Egypt! Move on to the quarterfinals. Gawaski is the hero. And the Pharaohs are on to the last eight. Heartbreak for Cote d'Ivoire. Joy for Egypt. Give it away. Carolina Svechnikov has it.
Yossi, the Nashville captain to keep his team alive. Six for 17. Koskinen to win his third straight start. Needs a save. Yossi. Backhander. Stopped. Miko Koskinen. And the Edmonton Oilers prevail. The final. Three to two. In a shootout. His win. All the way through. And this time Gonzalez is heroic rather than rash. There you go. Open of soccer where we kind of meld soccer and hockey. Let's start off on the hockey front of things. Uh, the interesting thing about this is in hockey, COVID-19 has had its issues. And obviously, it precluded NHL players from going to Beijing for the Beijing Winter Olympics, which actually start February 3rd, coming up this week. And we have great coverage, kslsports.com, uh, KSL TV. Sam Farnsworth uh, from KSL uh, Sports is headed over to cover things there in Beijing in person. So crazy thing, it's coming that quickly. But COVID-19 has caused all kinds of issues. But the Buffalo Sabres have been hit pretty dang hard. They are potentially down to not their first, not their second, not their third, not their fourth, not their fifth, their sixth option at goalie after COVID-19 has just absolutely wrecked their goalie unit. I know it's a different sport, but speaking as a a former soccer goalie, to Uh be that far down and be like, all right, you're up, it's just like, what 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 is hockey what do i do i and i don't mean that disrespectfully but when you're that far down you're just like you're just not expecting it i don't know what you do uh, just that seems tough and they're going to might have to sign somebody it sounds like they have some players that they're hopefully going to get cleared but man down to your sixth option at goalie. Crazy enough. Um, also, congratulations to the New York Rangers legend Henrik Lundqvist, uh, the former goalkeeper, had his number 30 race to the Raptors at Madison Square Garden last night. Big crowd on hand. Uh, the Rangers did lose 3-2 to two to, Minnesota, to the Minnesota Wild, but he's the 11th uh, Rangers player to have his number retired by the franchise, and he's a legend. There's no doubt about that. I, I, I don't proclaim to be a hockey savant expert, but Henrik Lundqvist is very very good at what he did for many, many years and was a legend with the New York Rangers. So congratulations to him. Uh, he finished his playing career in 2020 with the Rangers. Uh, so there you go. All right, now on to soccer here for a moment. Uh, let's keep it local to start off. Congratulations to Everton Louise. He has been re-signed by Real Salt Lake on a one-year deal to stay with the club he's been with for, I think, three seasons now. Yeah, no, I, I love Everton. He... He can get a little bit tempered at times. Um, he's he's gotten a red card or two in his time, but yeah. when he's able to keep it just below that, he's he's an absolute monster uh, in the defensive midfield. Keep it a slow simmer, as 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 it were. Uh, he's a good player. A one-year deal, interesting. I thought maybe with the year team option, but just a one-year arrangement between the two clubs. Um, also, on the national team front, Jeff, I know you and I uh, are big fans of the U- U.S. men's national team. I think we, most of us out there are. We like to support our home nation. Uh, they got a win over El Salvador 1-0 Thursday night, and now they head to face uh, Canada, who has been Top the group. lights out. Yeah, Canada top the group. It's going to be a tough match. We drew at home against Canada our last time against them. Um, I'll tell you what, I know that 
probably breaking off some rust, but we're going to have to play better than we played against El Salvador against Canada to uh, to get a win. Uh, one note on that, Timothy Weah, I think I'm, I always struggle with his name. Weah, 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 Weah. Well, he did not make the trip to Canada. Yeah, because his vaccine status is it works it in France. Works in France, where he plays, uh-huh. but it does not work in Canada. So there was some clarification on that. So you're probably wondering, okay, Jake, how, Jake, and Jeff, what, what does that mean? He got his first shot for COVID nineteen. Got his first vaccination, then got COVID. Recovered from it, has not gotten the second shot apparently, but under the way France delineates him being vaccinated, shot and getting COVID apparently works in France for being vaccinated. Canada, it does not. He needs to have that second shot allegedly. So there you go. That's that's why Timothy Weah cannot cross the border to play with the U.S. men's national team in that match against Canada. The good news is if USA, Team USA, the U.S. men's national team, wins all three of these matches in this current round of uh, international duty, and with some help, they can actually clinch a World Cup spot. That'd be pretty cool. We'll see. I, I don't necessarily think that happens this go-around, but you take care of business. You can find yourself right on the doorstep of getting back into the uh, World Cup in Cutter, and is it November is when it starts? Is that we're looking yeah, at Jeff. Yeah, weird. All right, anything else soccer wise you feel like we need to hit on? So I do have one thing okay. uh, coming out of the NWSL. All right. So fire away. I'm trying to see if you know what this is or not, because if I know something that I'm that you don't, I'm just like, wow, because you're again, you're such an aficionado. Um, so former Utah Royals captain Amy Rodriguez is retiring. Uh, she announced her retirement yesterday. I did not um, see this. You yeah, so she she announced her retirement yesterday um, after the Royals shut down. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the proper phrasing is. They got relocated. Um, yeah, relocated to Kansas, to Kansas City. City. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was with Kansas City, and then she was with uh, the North Carolina Courage. And uh, yesterday she announced that she'd be retiring and returning to her alma mater of USC to be an assistant coach for their women's team. All um, right. So... I uh, was rocking my my Royals Amy Rodriguez jersey yesterday. Um, I'm a big fan of hers. I think she's a great player, great teammate, great leader, um, and I wish her all the best in her retirement. Well, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, she had a very very good career, There's no doubt about that. So, uh, and with the women's national team as well. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I'll, make sure yeah. to add that. I'll say on the national team stage, even more so. She oh was, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely more she's so. Incredible. So yeah, uh, happy trails to Amy Rodriguez. But she's getting right back in. She's getting right into coaching. So that'd be fun. All right, uh, quickly here. Let's also hit on some college hoops real quick. Uh, local teams in action today include Utah. They are at Washington. A three o'clock tip between the Utes and the Huskies. Uh, the Utes are one in ten in the Pac-12. They have lost nine straight conference games. Hoping to avoid uh, dropping to one and eleven, and having ten straight losses today when they take on the Huskies. Huskies ten and eight, five and three. A little bit of a turnaround season right now for Washington. They were actually expected to kind of be where Utah's at this season by most people when it came to preseason projections. You also have BYU in action tonight. Uh, the Cougars after the debacle of a loss on Thursday night. Uh, uh, say, I saw your Twitter on that one. Uh, Almost everything that could go wrong in the final minute of that game did to have BYU lose a game, and they did not help themselves. Just They fell all over themselves. That was pathetic. Lack of a better term. Uh, the Cougars are in action against Pacific tonight. It'll be their second and final matchup in the regular season against the Tigers. 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time on ESPNU. And then Utah State in action tonight. Scotty G is in Reno, Nevada. The Aggies taking on the Wolf Pack. Uh, that'll be an 8 o'clock tip on CBS Sports Network. Of course, you can hear all of the action of Utah State basketball right here on the Zone Sports Network. Pre-game coverage with Scott Gerard begins at 7.30 
right here on the zone. Other teams in action, Weber State takes on Sacramento State. Uh, Dixie State is at Chicago State. And I thought, no, maybe not. I thought that UVU was in action, but maybe I'm missing something here. No, I'm not. All right, so UVU is not in action today. So there you go. That is the college basketball slate today. Uh, BYU, by the way, despite that rough loss, the way they lost that game, is the, it's, it's worse than the loss itself, just the way they lost it. Uh, Cougars still very much in the NCAA tournament projections out there. So not to fear, we'll, we at least have one in-state program, it looks like, on their way to the big dance. All right, so there you go. You are now caught up on everything else that we meant to talk about ahead on today's show. We'll get some of your final thoughts, your feedback, um, also some other notes before we go out the door coming up next right here on the Saturday Show. The weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Thank you for joining us. It's been actually a really fun show. It has flown by. I love doing radio. Let me be clear about this. It's fun to produce. It's fun to host. It's just, it's a blast. So thank you for joining us. Hope you guys have had some fun along the way here. Um, On our way out the door here, Jeff, uh, I don't know, uh, you probably didn't see this last night because you were working the game, but Salt Lake City uh, has announced that they have... uh, their snow plows, I believe they have 10 of them. They have officially named all of their city snow plows. They had a contest for this in December. They threw it out there. You could vote on the names. And they officially named all 10 of them. I want to run down the names here. You ready? Inky, Pinky, Winky, Clyde. No, not that. No. Number one, Sled Zeppelin. Love it. I'm a fan of that one. I was going to say, if these are all puds, then oh. I... I Yes. I'm I'm for it. I'm all for it. Number two, flake effect. Lake effect snow. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe you haven't lived here long enough to know about lake effect snow. Um, next one. This one's the one that I actually voted for because I do it for every contest now when you name something. Snowy McSnowface. Because there's that Bodie McBoatface deal that happened years ago that now we just continue to use that. Next one has a jazz tie to it. Rudy Snow Bear. I actually love that. That's, That's great. Uh, this one, John Bon Snowy. Love that as well. We're halfway there. Okay. Anyways, I was gonna say that's what. Yeah, that's what we're saying when we're driving out in the snow. We're living on a prayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I hope he has like a speaker on his that plays Bon Jovi while they while they go on. Another fun one. This is one of my favorites. The Notorious P L O W. I like that one a lot. That was I'm a big fan of that one. Next one, Utah tie, University of Utah football tie, Ice Eccles. Rice Eccles. That's good. Next one, Snowby Juan Kenobi. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. I think, I think we did some good, good work here, folks. Next one, No More Mr. Ice Guy. That's good. And then finally, Sugar Plows. <laughs> so there you go. That is the um, 10 Salt Lake City plows that will be uh, helping out with snow if we get another snowstorm this winter, which we've, we've gotten some snow, but we have not—the storms we had in December, you can think like we had some pretty big storms. It's been a rather snowless January, let's put it that way. Yeah, no, it was 
cold this morning. It was cold this morning. It was yeah. very cold this morning. I have a brother who lives up in Logan. Negative digits this morning when he woke up. Yeah, so fun times. All right. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. I thought it was kind of fun to talk about. I, I thought there were fun names, some connections to local teams, and just having fun all the way around. I thought it was pretty cool. Their snow removal program. Jake Scott says this all the time. The last thing on this. With snow removal in the state of Utah, this state and like this area, the Wasatch Front, does a better job of snow removal than I think most municipalities around the country. We've got it down. Like They do a good job. It's not perfect. I was going to say, I'm just trusting you on that. It's not perfect, <laughs> but it's better than a lot of places. They do, they do a good job. They, they keep the main arteries rolling. That's the good news. Getting to those arteries? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the main stuff... They can be sketchy yeah, getting not, there. Not so, yeah, and unfortunately, no matter how well or poorly they plow does not affect that. Apparently, even people who have lived here for a long time still don't know how to drive in the snow. Watch yourself. I'm a Utah native, Jeff. I, I take offense to that term. <laughs> Them's fighting you words. You should. All right, anyways, uh, so that that's going to do it for today. I thought it was kind of a fun note to go out on. So, cool names. I thought they were pretty fun. You can go to um, sl.gov. I saw, I saw like, just search out Salt Lake City snowplows. It'll pop up on Google. Alright, that's going to do it for today's show. Quick reminder, though, that Valentine's Day is coming soon. Uh, the staff over there at Jimmy's Flowers can create something for you or get one of their ready-to-go arrangements for any budget. Jimmy's Flowers has stores in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden, or you can go online and order there at jimmysflowers.com. Make sure you order early, and I cannot emphasize that. Order early if you want what you're trying to get. That's our friends at Jimmy's flowers all right that's gonna do it for jeff i'm jake thank you so much for joining us here on the saturday show brought to you by mountainland supply have a great rest of your day and we'll be back with you guys soon this has been the saturday show right here on 97.5 fm 1280 am and the zone sports network see ya